Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hi, everyone. Katherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. I am super excited. Just met for the first time ever Cynthia Riggs, who is the biz diva. And I think you came to me through Judy Dang. Just awesome. I call Judy Dang my productivity, my West Coast productivity sister. She's awesome. Cynthia is a successful entrepreneur since the age of 25. She built several businesses from the ground up, including a multi-million dollar company she sold in 2004. She became a one-page business plan consultant in 2006 and has continuously used the process to support emerging and established businesses to step into their next level of success and profitability. On a personal note, she believes her good fortune in life has been the ability to connect her passion to a profitable revenue stream time and time again. Her greatest joy is bringing women entrepreneurs into the seven-figure business club. So thank you for being here. I'm so psyched. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Good. Well, I think the obvious place to start is the one-page business plan. Talk to me about why it's so important we have a business plan and why it's important not to try and make it some 25-page document unless you're looking for angel investing. You know, talking about the one-page business plan is most likely my favorite thing to talk about. So um, I've come to the right place and Hopefully, your audience will appreciate um, my commitment and passion to the whole concept of business planning. So I came upon the one-page business plan for a very specific reason. When I sold my company and hung out my consulting shingle, I recognized that what was missing in the 20 years of building a very fast-paced, multi-million dollar company was a planning tool. You know, and what I will tell you is I'm very good at flying by the seat of my pants. Um, I've done it in all aspects of my life over and over again. But when I came out of that business, I really had the realization that, you know, my life could have been easier. It could have been better. And I probably could have even made more money. So I went and searching for this planning tool. And after it took me a couple of years to find it. And it was the one page business plan. I, I didn't invent it, but I am a passionate uh, proponent of it. And I'm going to tell you what I love about the one-page business plan is that it's an opportunity to really move into that high level of thinking that most of us don't spend a lot of time doing 
because we're in the trenches building that business. You know, we're doing, 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 we're doing all of the service or developing the product. And we, we typically do not, we don't give much reverence to the idea of actually planning and contemplating and thinking about our next steps. And the proof for me is that um, I built my six-figure consulting practice much quicker, I believe, than I would have had it just been business as usual, the way I'd always done it. I would have gotten there. I I don't doubt that. But um, doing the business plan, it gave me a sense of companionship and security, which are very odd words to apply to a business plan, but that was my experience. And like Catherine was saying, the reason that you write the 25-page plan is to get money. You know, I did that over the years and get the money, it goes back in the drawer. You need more money, you pull it out, update your cash flow projections, get the money, it goes back in the drawer. It has nothing to do with anything to running your business. Okay. So here's the thing whether you're in a startup mode or an established business, most likely there's somewhere you want to go. There's some place you're trying to get to that you, you have a vision, you have ideas about what it is you're building and perhaps even how you're going to build it. And the beautiful thing about the one-page business plan is that it really does fit on one page and it starts out with your vision, right? What is it that you are trying to grow here? Like, and and it's the vision ideally goes out three to five years. It's not like next month or next year. And the reason for that is that it's an opportunity to stretch yourself out of your comfort level into what's possible as opposed to what is. Right. Because we get stuck in the reality that we find ourselves in and our imagination and our dreams don't tend to come into play in any kind of structured way. So the one page plan starts with your vision. You know, it's really what do you want to be when you grow up or what do you, where, or what's the next iteration for you? Right. And it might or might not look anything like what your business looks like today. And, you know, that was the case for me because we kind of talked about that briefly at the beginning before we officially started recording in March, 2020, suddenly the whole world changed, right? Global pandemic, everybody had to go strictly online. I worked with all my clients in person. I was not really an online business and (laughs) I had to become one. And so I took my three-year business plan, which was become an online business. I'm watering that way down, but you get the idea to become an online business in three months and had to to transition very, very quickly. The reason I wanted to be an online business is is I want to have that opportunity to be like a laptop business to work from other places. We have a beach home. I'd like to spend more time there. I don't get much time there right now. Some of that's I have a high school junior. Some of that is it's hard for a person to get away when you have in-person clients, right? Now I'm an online laptop business there's really nothing stopping me from working there. I stay home most of the time because, of course, I have a family and a kid and a husband, and this is where we are. But that wouldn't have even been on my radar screen as a possibility until I set that three-year intention, which I guess I did. My daughter's a junior now, so it was to be by 2023. So that would have been, I must have set that intention somewhere in like late 2019. Well, you know, I had a very similar experience, not that I was looking to be an online business, but that I was a very high touch. I have an office in Sebastopol where I live and my masterminds, my clients and my business planning all done in person because my person, that's my personal preference. Right. So COVID comes along and like you, you know, 
everything moved online. And what I have recognized is exactly what you're talking about is that my lifestyle is so much more fluid. Right. Like I've, I've taken several trips in the last six months and I could do my work from wherever I am. I have a friend who has cancer that I've been helping out and she doesn't live near me, but I can go there, help there and, and work. So there, there are some advantages, right? Right. So where, how does the one page business plan segue into that? Well, for me, again, you know, being able to make quick changes is again, something that often is very difficult for people. And that's another reason I personally really love business planning is because the more conscious and aware you are of what is real in your business, the more ability you have to pivot, shift, make changes when the time comes. And we never know what's going to bring that on. I mean, COVID was big and it affected all of us. But, you know, it could be a financial issue. It could be a social issue. It could be a, a home issue. And if you have the plan and you've already sort of laid out the bones of, of what your, your best intention is, then you can you have something to work with. And it, you, you have a head start, in my opinion. Right? Now, I don't know if you know, I had cancer six years ago. I want to talk about an upheaval. And I had nothing. That's really how I got on the track of doing productivity and systems and setting things up because I didn't have it. And my, my business pretty much shut down. Just I, I didn't have an assistant, I, or I did, but not really the kind of assistant who could take yeah. over. I was an interior designer, so and I designed office spaces, so I really couldn't be out barking orders at construction managers, et cetera. So my business shut down, and I said, that's it. I'm done. I want to be ready if there's ever a major event. So in a way, because that had happened in 2015, 2016, I was pretty well prepared in 2020 to pivot, right? Because I had, by then, I had put all the systems in place, set things up. Not that there aren't more systems to put in place, of course, but at least I could see like, all right, what do I need to do next? And I think that's the beauty of having this business plan. Well, and the thing thing with, with women is that many of the businesses that women start come from some realization like you're talking about. Like, you know, you putting into place what was missing turned into your next business, right? And that's not uncommon, you know? And again, again, I sort of think that part of that's that passion thing, something that you're really passionate about because you see how much of a difference it makes in your life and in the life of your clients. That's part of why you're, you know, you're loud and proud about it. So going back to the business plan, you know, so I I set the vision for you. And then, you know, there's five parts to the plan and they're very common words. You have vision, mission, objectives, strategies, action plans, right? But the most important thing about the business plan is that it's really high level thinking. Um, It's not minutia. It's not tasks. It's not all the many little things you'd like to get off of your list. It's really, if you put your mind to the big picture of what you're doing, what does that look like? And then offline to the one page plan, you have a Catherine to help you put together productivity software or, you know, timelines, whatever it is that you need to support the plan. So that's why I love the business plan is that it sets the stage for uh, things actually happening the way that you um, envision and imagine them. And the, the best thing about the plan, from my point of view, is that it's what I call a living, breathing document. You know, we, we have a lot of resistance to writing things down because then we're afraid we're going to fail or we're afraid we're not going to reach our goal. And so we tend to like it all in our head, you know, 
just, you know, swirling around with everything else so that we don't really have to be accountable to ourselves. And I have to tell you that that level of accountability to yourself, I think that's that was what was most powerful for, for me when I started with the one page plan. Um, it was a gift. It was a gift for me to really recognize that how important it was for me to be accountable to myself and to watch the progress and the process for today, what I'm thinking is in my best interest and in my best business's best interest and needs to be done. And then maybe three or four months later, looking at it going, huh, that really wasn't really very good thinking. Like that really isn't going to do what I thought it was going to do. And then you simply get to take it away and put something else in. So that, that fluidity, I think, gives us the ability to not know it all, but to be able, willing to take a risk mm-hmm. because it will benefit us just to try, you know, just to, just to put ourselves out there. You know, we hold things in our business very close. I mean, that, that's my opinion. And Oh, yeah, um, definitely. I'm a, big, I'm a big proponent of, you know, being in a group and getting support. I'm a big proponent of business planning. You know, it's important for us to get out of our own way and allow the tools and the, and the help and the people and the processes around us to support, to support us because there's a, there's that going alone thing, that bootstrapping thing is still really, really common. And I think it's probably not that helpful for most of us to, to take that track. Right. Absolutely. And I belong to a mastermind group. I know we're not there yet, but I firmly believe in having people around me who are supportive because they know the things that I don't know. And then I know things they don't know. And, you know, everybody's right. one big happy family. You talked about vision and mission. And I'd love to have you differentiate what those are. Well, you know, again, common words. And in the one page protocol, the mission has a very specific role, which is different than your traditional mission statement, which is your value proposition. You know, when you write a mission statement, it's about how wonderful your company is, how you treat your customers, how you treat your employees, why you're good for the planet, why you're better than everybody else. You know, the mission statement is really value proposition. In the one-page plan, it's actually more of a marketing tagline. It's like three to five words that, you know, why is somebody going to look to you rather than all the millions of people who are competing for those same dollars? Like, what, what, what's your secret sauce? What, what do you offer? You know, and then the other way it works is if, if your business name doesn't say anything about what you do, then the tagline would be probably descriptive. It would probably outline, you know, what your product or service is. Um, but that's in the one-page plan. That's how that works, and it's it's a fun. It's it's one of the the mission and the vision are the quote fun parts of the plan, in my opinion. Well, they're they're the overview parts. They're the you know flying the plane at fifty thousand feet. It's they're the parts that you know where you look down at your business, and and we're doing this by the way in the first week of December, when this is the time. Now, yes. all of us need to be planning our businesses now for next year. Timing's great. And people know this, but I have to tell you that there's, there is a tremendous amount of universal resistance to writing one's business plan. Oh, um, yeah. To, you know, I've been doing this for a lot of years, and I will just tell you that the resistance that I come up with, you know, I mean, people will say, I know I need to do it, and I, I don't, or I won't, or, you know, I don't want to, but I know I should. And, you know, I'm here to tell you that one, you know, the way I do it is in a group. So it's right. fun. And you, again, you get that brilliance. You get to share yours and you get to take on others. And it's really quite an accomplishment. Um, and it's not, in my mind, it's not that painful. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Done a few. 
maybe I'm biased, right? And then the other three parts of the plan, like the objectives are, are the more quantitative um, goal setting part of the plan, right? It always has a numeric component to it, whether it's dollars, percentage, you want something you want more of, something you want less of. Always starts with gross revenue. That's where your revenue right. number shows up. And then the strategies are long-term over time. What's the foundation for your business? They're not things you're necessarily acting on today, but they're things that you know that you need to have in place over time to get to that success. And this, in my mind, is more of where your values come in. I mean, not necessarily all of them, but you know, this is where who you are as a human being and the heart of your business shows up is in, is in the strategies and the strategic piece of it. And then the last piece is action plans, which are those, they're big projects. What I tell people, if you can do it in a day, it's not an action. Oh. You can't look <laughs> That's a task. and say, oh, I said I was going to have that done tomorrow. No, it doesn't work that way. So I'll give you an example of one of the things in my action plan that I've just finished and I'm on to the next one. Okay. The one I just did was to take a look at every aspect of the client experience start to finish. What is happening? How am I onboarding them? What are they receiving from me in emails? What systems can I put in place? What can we automate? What can my assistant do? What can I do? So that was a project we just completed. And I literally, and it's very hard for me. I don't know if you know I have ADHD. It's very hard for us not to jump to the next great shiny thing. We really, really want to do it. And my assistant and I have just been like, this is what we're doing. We're going to make this happen. We had done prior to this, the entire process for the podcast before and during. Have a great system in place now for before and during. Occasionally a ball drops slightly like it did with you. But for the most part, you know, you had a form, you filled it out, et cetera. That's all been automated or systematized in some way. And as soon as we, and literally this is starting like next week, we just launched a program. So we've been in program launch. But probably starting next week after the holiday, we are going to go and look at the entire after podcast process because I'm seeing that I'm not doing a great job with the follow-up on it. And I know I can automate that. So we're already kind of already working on that a little bit, but truly going to be digging in next week to do that. And, And I think, I guess the key point I want to say here, and then I'll be quiet, is when you're doing your actions, it's really, really important to stay focused on the most important one and get it done. And the second thing is we tend as entrepreneurs to do whatever is right here, right now, urgent firefighting, whereas a business plan will remind you, this is important. I need to get to this. Yes. And then you carve that time to get those important things done. Yes, that is exactly so, right? Yeah. So let's see. What would I say overall about the benefit of the business plan? I think that it supports you um, to get where it is you want to go with more ease. Mm. And it's really a container. You get to, I'm going to say dump for lack of a better word, but you get to you get to put things in the container and then you're in charge of the container. So the world is not so amorphous. It's not so large. It's not so expansive because again, like you were talking about, Catherine, you know, whether it's the bright, shiny object syndrome or whether it's just that expansive mind a lot of creativity and wonderful things come out of it. But when you're running a business, it technically doesn't tend to be all that helpful. And going back to the action plans, what I suggest is one a quarter if you're a solopreneur with no support, that you don't stack up you know, three or four in a three-month period because you will not get them done. 
Right. And then again, your energy is divided between prioritizing and you end up with really nothing at the end of, of the time. So it gets us out of our own way because again, these are sort of tried and true um, procedures that if, you know, and again, the planning's not for everybody. Like what I tell people when they come to my class, I, what I say to them is this, you know, even if the plan, you don't resonate it with it to the point where you want to keep it up, you will never think about your business in the same way again, because I will tell you that very few people ever spend time at that high level looking at their business. They're just going from moment to moment, day to day, week to week, but whatever gets their attention, like you were saying, there is such a gift in actually putting some structure. And as much as we resist it, I'm going to tell you, it's a gift. If you give that it to is, yourself, it, is. it has such huge value, even if, again, you don't resonate with exactly what the one page business plan is or how it rolls out or keeping up with it. You learn new tools that encourage you to think a bit differently. And I think the interesting sort of dichotomy is we all want freedom. We're entrepreneurs. We want freedom. Don't stifle my flexibility and my creativity. And yet a plan is exactly what gives you flexibility and freedom. So it's really hard to get through to clients like, just trust me. Put this in place, you know, go to Cynthia, get your one page business plan, or then after you're done with that, come to me and do our 90 day goals or whatever, because I am more micro yeah, and you're more macro and take that time and set it aside. And, you know, I, the one funny thing that happens with my mastermind group all the time is I say, all right, it's quarterly planning time. Let's make our quarterly plan. And they're like, no, we have things to do. And I'm like, oh, no, we may need to make a plan. So there's definitely people really struggle with making a plan. It's not a big deal. And I, I wonder if some of it has to do with people thinking that they make a plan and then they have to stick to it. Well, you know, I, I think that well, that comes down to why people resist putting it in writing. Like I, it's the same thing is that they don't like to fail. They're afraid of, and they, and you know, if you, if you come up with a plan and then you don't do it, you tend to not feel good about yourself if you're actually reflecting on it. Right. You know, and so that's why I encourage this concept of living, breathing document, because really you're in charge. And there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad. It's like, you know, business is a very fluid entity and your plan is a very fluid entity and learning how to have structure and fluidity and correlation with one another is really quite helpful. And, you know, a lot of it really, my opinion is that, you know, if you don't have a business background, you tend to not really understand business. And there are some foundational components of business that are sort of important to know. And, you know, I mean, like me, many women, you know, you sort of start something and then as you go on, you learn, well, you learn about business, right? And this is one of those tools that will help you learn about business. You know, whether it's learning about finance, whether it's learning about planning, whether it's learning about marketing. And, you know, typically people put a lot of effort into their marketing because they think that's what's going to get them clients. And I have to tell you that without a plan, without a structure, you're wasting so much of your resources. You're wasting huge amounts of time, energy, and money because you don't know who your ideal client is. You don't really know even necessarily what you're selling or who you're selling it to or how best to sell it. And the planning puts a lot in place that can nicely lead into what you're going to be doing in regards to your marketing efforts. So I, I put the planning before marketing and, and most people put the marketing before anything. 
Yeah. And it's tricky. I mean, I know that my ideal client is not a 27-year-old young man who hasn't figured out his career yet. That's not my client. Because they, first of all, they look at me and think, mom, because I'm 55. <laughs> and second of all, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, it's just bottom line. It's not, I'm not relatable. And I just know that they're going to look at me as mom instead of look at me as my coach. Yeah. So, but that was, came out of me doing a lot of client research that came out of me having an opportunity to, through the coach training I took, to coach a client who was, who fit that criterion and to realize, and it wasn't just him, don't get me wrong. He was a great guy, wonderful, wonderful human being, but just not, not my target market. And that's okay. But like you said, now when I market, who am I marketing to? And I think that's a huge piece of this is that if you don't know who you're marketing to, you know, you're throwing spaghetti against the wall. Well, and also, you know, social media is a really interesting category because, you know, everybody wants to market through social media. But what I tell people to think about is, are your clients going to find you through social media? You know, you have to evaluate. And so, again, the one page plan is a place where you can test it. You can say, I'm going to spend X amount of time or money doing X, Y, and Z. The, the thing about objectives is what do you try? You have to track it. You have to track it. So again, if you want to try some things out, then you're paying enough attention because if you ask people where their customers come from, most people have no idea. They cannot tell you where their clients come from. You know, they might say, well, I have a lot of referrals and, you know, I do this, this, and this, but they can't tell you who actually comes from where. Well, Again, in the planning process, this pushes you to actually be able to identify that your resources are being productive for you or not productive. Exactly. And when I did the customer client journey, part of that piece was adding something in. If someone says they want to have a call with me where they're considering hiring me as a coach, one of the questions is, where did you find me? So now... Okay, it's been only about six months, but still over the course of the last six months, I could tell you where they're coming from. And they're not coming from Facebook or Instagram. They're coming from LinkedIn, personal referrals, me doing public speaking. Yeah, that's it. Those are my three. So why would I spend hours and hours on Instagram or Facebook when my bang for my buck is coming through LinkedIn if you're choosing a social media outlet? Yes, and again... I'm going to just say on the other side of that is that if that's a comfort level for a business owner, they like to be there because they enjoy it and they convince themselves it's good. They're doing business, but you're not, you know? So, I mean, that comfort level thing is important in whatever activities that you choose to do, but it's it's important also to be real about what of those activities are actually bringing you business and what of them are you're doing because you really like to do it. And that's how you like to connect with people. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just put it in its right silo, its correct silo. I agree with that. And I, I will say that when I'm in LinkedIn, I'm very targeted. I'm doing business. I'm not chit chatting. And I, when I'm in Facebook or Instagram, I'm doing it a little bit for fun. A lot. Let's call it a lot for fun and a little bit for business. So it's not that I, I I'll share things about people who have ADHD. And I do get people who say, oh, wow, that's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. And maybe down the road, they become a client. But those three silos that I said, are those are the three that where I truly get clients. So when I'm on Facebook or Instagram, it's a different 
vibe and I know it. So I'm more likely to be playing on Facebook or Instagram at five, six o'clock at night, <laughs> you know, and know what I said, playing, you know, yeah, as opposed to working. Interestingly, when I work LinkedIn, it's very, very early in the morning when I wake up. It's like first thing I do because I'm very alert. I'm very on fire. I'm ready to have really good conversations and connect with people. So you can see this took me time, Cynthia. This did not happen overnight. I had to really like retrain myself, you know, like walk your walk, right? I had to retrain myself to have my first focus of the day be on LinkedIn, not some other social media outlet that wasn't really going to bring me revenue. It's been a very interesting experience. I'm glad I've done it because I have a plan and I know where my clients are coming from. All right. Okay. Wow. We covered a lot. Just really quickly, I'd love to talk, and really, it does have to be brief, on how you go about scaling your business. And the reason I want to talk about that is I feel like that comes naturally out of the business plan. Naturally might not be the exact right word for that. Well, I think it goes back to what I said earlier in terms of there are basic business skills, techniques, knowledge that are really important. And you know, you can you can grow to a certain extent without putting um, foundational pieces in place, but you you won't get past a certain point. And again, one thing the business plan might do for you is it might tell you how much you don't know about what you don't know. <laughs> yeah, yes, very right. You, it might bring to you. I think you know. I know that one of the experiences people have is that they they gain awareness that they don't really have enough information. Mm. They have there's homework to do. Like, like the ideal client is always a good example because that often comes up in, in the class. I, I, my free download on my website is my ideal client exercise for people to do. Nice. And the reason is, is because, you know, if you don't know your ideal client, you're really just squandering a lot, time, money, energy. You know, it's, it's just the reality because this is how I explain it. You know, you want to throw out that big fishing net and catch a few fish. Well, you know, you will. But if you know what color fish you're looking for, what size, who they hang out with, who are their friendly fish, you know, um, how big are their teeth? What do they eat? Like, what's their travel plans? When you really dig in and, and, and your fish is very specific and you know how to target that fish, you know how to find that fish, you're, you're going to find that you, that you benefit greatly from having spent that time and energy to make that assessment for yourself. You know, and again, it's something that People don't typically want to spend the time and energy doing. They, they, and they don't, mostly they don't want to exclude anybody. And I tell them, the riffraff will come along. You know, oh, yeah. every, word still show comes, up. every word that comes out of your mouth, out of your website, out of your marketing should be speaking only to your ideal client. You want your ideal client to hear you every time you show up right. in, in whatever way you're showing up. And other people who aren't your ideal client who feel attracted or drawn or interested, they're not going to not contact you. They're going to they're still reach out to you. You know, you don't lose anything. You just narrow the playing field. Because what I tell people is none of us have the money to the resources to blanket the whole population of, of women under 40 who have blonde hair and live in Northern California. I mean, you know, you just don't have, you don't have the capacity, right? So it's best if you can really hone in on, on who that person is that is most likely to benefit from, from working with you. And also that they're a good fit for you because you're going to do your best work when you're working with your ideal clients. And that should be really the incentive is because you're going to feel better. 
you're going to get the results you're looking for. Your, your clients are going to be just off the charts, happy and satisfied and content because they are the right person for you and you are the right person for them. I'm thinking the day when I was doing the midpoint assessment, my client, we were wrapping up and I said, did you get what you needed today? Or are you good? Is there anything more you need before we go? Like you're constantly just making sure the clients are happy. And it's the same thing when we're acquiring clients. What do they need? For us, I do a coaching call. That's how I start with any potential client is literally an hour long. Let's hear what you need. See if I'm a good fit. And you do weed out the wrong people because, well, now I do, because now I have a form that people have to fill out prior. So they have a sense of what to expect. I think that's a great idea. And I didn't have one. And I used to get a lot of, I was spending a lot of time I haven't, and I've only had it about a month, so I don't have enough information yet to tell you whether or not it's super successful. But you know what? Here again, this goes back to planning, right, Cynthia? Reevaluate. Get five or six of them. Take a look. What did you do right? What could be better? Maybe you missed a question you should have asked. Well, also, you're you're encouraging your clients to have some buy-in at the onset because it takes time to fill out those forms, and you have to put energy and thought into what you're saying. And so it sort of weeds out the people who just really want the free consultation or right. you know, whatever it is. So I think it also is it's good for that reason as well. Um, I was going to go back to scaling one's business. So, you know, when I work with somebody to move from, you know, I've, I've had many clients over the years that have been under $100,000 in revenue that I've taken to multi-million dollars. It's a three to five year relationship. It's not like something that happens overnight. And not every product or service or person has the potential to hit seven figures. But wherever you are in scaling your business, again, the plan, the planning process, you're setting goals for yourself, right? And again, even if they're not exactly right, it doesn't matter. But you have, you have, now you have a foundation. You know, you, your, your, your vision is to make X amount of dollars, right? And it's not, and typically you don't make exactly X amount of dollars when the time comes. But you're, you're looking at, am I making less? Am I making more? And you're looking at it over time. You're not waiting until you get to that three-year mark, three mark to say, oh, I didn't do it, or oh, yes, I did it. You know, every few months, you're looking at your revenue. Am I tracking towards where I thought I would go this year? You know, and if not, what am I going to do to get myself there? Because I'm, I am, you know, I am not a create-your-own-reality person. I do not have that mindset. But I firmly believe in setting intentions. If you intend to get something, go somewhere, do something, it makes it much more likely to happen. And for me, I'm, I'm a person who's very driven by setting intentions for myself. If I set a financial goal, I am very good at reaching it. Because if I see that I'm not, I figure out what do I need to do to make more money, you know, or, if I, or make more profit or whatever it is. I think a lot of us are built that way. Um, some of us know it and some of us don't. You know, but just living it all up to whatever is just not the best business model and you won't grow past a certain point. So whether they're working with you on the productivity angle of things and learning how to manage projects, which, you know, most of what we do is project based. I mean, I don't know right. that people think about it that way, but I think about it that way. And if, you know, if you don't have systems and you don't have the support that you need, again, you're not going to feel really like you're making much traction and getting where it is you want to go. So the business plan in my mind and productivity, on the other hand, both they're, they're really nice sides of the coin.
to work together because again, like you said, you're working more on the micro level. The business plan is more on the macro level. But when you have both of them, it is a very powerful combination. Absolutely agree, 100%. So I'm glad you wrote the word productivity. Do you have a favorite productivity pointer strategy trick in addition to the one-page business plan, which clearly what this is all a bit about? And by the way, for um, we don't usually spend so much time on a single topic, but this is super important because this is the beginning of December. This is when you want to be doing this kind of thing. And I really wanted Cynthia to really delve deep into this topic for all of us. So I am so grateful to you. Productivity pointer. Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing me the time to talk about it. Because like I said, I do have a lot of passion about it. Well, you know, I was thinking about that question. And one of the areas that I know a lot of people struggle with is their email. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a great software situation. That's not my thing. But I know there's a couple things that work really well. One is that if you commit to not opening your email for the first hour that you sit at your computer, and you get whatever else is on your mental or to-do list out of the way before you open your email. Because we all know once you open email, you're off and running. Or the other way to do it is that you only look at your email three times a day. Right. You know, and you can have an autoresponder on your email that say, I check my email three times a day. Um, you know, I'll get back with you within 24 hours, you know, whatever it is. Because the sense of urgency that we feel around responding to email gets us into a lot of time suck trouble. Yep. So that would that would be my pointer for the day. And I would agree with that. And by the way, 5:30 6 a.m. the very first thing I'm doing is not checking email, it's getting on LinkedIn. So, I do the LinkedIn thing before the email. I will say right after I do do email, so I'm not, but I I'm pretty disciplined. I I haven't looked at my email in probably I don't know, a couple hours. Because once I'm working on projects or doing the podcast, et cetera, I'm focused in on this and I'm not focused in on email. Another thing I do is, and I do have it here right now, is my phone. And that's because I was worried about my daughter on her first day of driving. But normally that phone, I have a little box behind me in my office and I put it in the box. (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind. So email inbox is sort of the same thing. I don't have notifications. I have no pings, no dings, none of that. Partly because I record podcasts and I don't want pinging and dinging to happen while I'm doing it, but also because it's distracting. Yes. And again, you know, there's, there's so many things that distract us throughout our day. And if you want to stay focused, you know, it's, it is learning a certain amount of discipline and breaking our bad habits. Absolutely. You know, we're very habit driven creatures and, you know, we but like yes. to do it the way we've always done it. And, you know, if you're looking for relief, it does require you to do something different, whether it's productivity related or business plan related, most of you are being taken out of your comfort level when you land in either of those zones. But the good news is you have help and support to do it, which, you know, that partnership can make it much more palatable and much more enjoyable and ultimately much more productive. How can people find you? I'm the Biz Diva and I'm at bizdiva.biz, which I sort of love that myself. It makes it easy. Double biz. Yeah. And there's a you can sign up to have a, a complimentary consultation with me if you want to know more about what I do. The business plan page has all the information about it. My COVID pricing through January is $197 for a five-week live, high-touch, maximum eight-person webinar. It's really an excellent opportunity 
because at the end of the five weeks, if you participate, you will have your business plan done. So I, I, I can pretty much tell you that. And uh, I love doing it and would love to have you reach out if you have interest in, in learning more. Thank you so much for coming on, Cynthia. I'm so grateful to you. Uh, this is great. I mean, I think anyone in their right mind would jump on that opportunity. I know. I think I'm going to do it. Even though I, I could, would love to have you. I would love to do it. So we'll, we'll talk more offline. Thank you so much, Cynthia. So grateful you came on today. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And I wish you a very good holiday. Thank you. You too. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office podcast with Katherine Avery. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. Do you find the holidays completely overwhelming because you're trying to do all the things? For most of us, the perfect holiday is something we only see in a Hallmark movie. But we can have holidays with less stress and more joy. I'm very excited to introduce the Uncluttered Holidays program. It's the gift you give yourself. You can find it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash holidays program. And yes, there's an S in holidays, bit.ly holidays program. I'll be sure to put it in the show notes. I hope I'll see you there. And if you've liked what you've heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.